Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. i 
For those of you who are so inclined, I would ask for you to look into your scripture this morning. You may have one right in front of you in the pew. So I'd like to share you a story from the book of John, chapter 20. The New Living Translation tells it like this. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran, and she found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. When the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus might rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb, crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head, and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Well, because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave him his message. Let's pray this morning. Father, there are no words to express the gift that you've given us. As Christ came through this terrible ordeal and died upon that cross for us, the whole world was changed forever. We sit here today for that very act of love that you gave to us. Bless the hearts that are here this morning, Lord, that they might hear your message one more time and that it will sink in and grab their heart and help them to know that right relationship with you. We worship with you this morning in our very presence, Lord. Thank you for coming and joining in our worship time together here this morning. Amen. The truth of the matter is, my friends, that uh, some people think that what we see around us is all there is. You're born, you're on the earth, you do whatever you do, And then your time is up and you're done. In truth, we probably just step out of this reality that we know and we step into another reality because of what Christ did for us. And this morning we're going to sing that as a song of triumph today. We're going to sing it straight on down, all five verses. Christ the Lord is risen today.
verse 4 says, lives again, our glorious king. You notice it doesn't say, keep track of the time, fellas. He might yet be coming. He is already alive, my friends. He is already here in our very midst. Ladies, can you sing those words today? Hey, death, what you got? You ain't got nothing. Because Jesus Christ died on that cross for us and rose again. Stand with me, won't you? And sing on these last two verses.
Morning. Now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. Thanks be to God who gives us glory. I'm sorry. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.
Good morning. We're going to sing, I Serve a Risen Savior. He's in the world today. I, I know that he's living, whatever man may say. In this um, world, you know, people are trying to de-Christianize our society. And I think we need to remember that Christ is living and he can live in us. He is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing will come at last. Let's sing through the end of the song.
Does he live in your heart this morning? Amen. What a wonderful occasion to gather together, the resurrection of our Lord. We spend all year uh, praising him for all that he's done, but on this day, we remember the most important thing he's accomplished, because if he had not risen from the dead, everything else would be historic, but a moot point. Well, it has been used by missionaries for the last 2,000 years. Great preachers have preached on it, and the, the world's greatest theologians have puzzled over its implications. Angels have been amazed by it, and demons cower in fear at its mention. It has sent a thrill through millions of hearts as they come to understand its personal significance and countless books have been written about it. Now, most everybody has their favorite scripture passages, but this passage has been called Everybody's Text. In it, we find the essence of the gospel, and in its message, multitudes of wandering people have been brought to the feet of Christ. As you've probably figured out, it's also the text that we've been considering for the last couple of months. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, John 3.16 is actually a a great text for Easter because it sums sums up not just what God has, has done, but it also tells us why. This verse clearly tells us that the initiative in our salvation lies with God. It is God who first seeks us, not we who seek Him. It is God who goes out looking for the lost soul. Sometimes we speak as if we've found God. But I want to assure you that he is not lost. Some would see God as a reluctant deity to be pacified and to be persuaded to forgive us. But Good Friday and Easter tell us that God has taken the first step in bringing us back to himself. John 3.16 stands this kind of thinking on its head because it tells us that the whole idea of forgiving us, the whole concept of our salvation started with God. In fact, Scripture teaches that it was His plan from the very beginning, from before creation. You see, God is never caught unprepared. He is never caught off guard. And He doesn't change. He is the same as he has always been and will ever be. Furthermore, this verse tells us that the reason for Easter, the reason God did all of this, was because he loved us. All of us. The whole world of us. Past, present, and future. And you can take that to the bank because undergirding and permeating everything that God does is the love of God. Love is the very essence of God's being. 
Now, some have pictured a stern, angry, unforgiving God who um, kind of softened when this gentle, loving, forgiving Jesus came along. Some would have you think that Jesus did something to somehow change God's attitude. Somehow, he did something that changed God from wanting to judge and condemn us to offering us love and forgiveness. It's easy to think of God as looking at us in our disobedience and rebellion and saying, I'll break them, I'll teach them, I'll punish them until they come to their senses and come groveling to me. You know, I think sometimes we think that that's because that's probably how we would feel if we were God. That's probably how we as humans would react. But God isn't like us. Instead, he sent Christ, not as an avenger, but as a savior. He sent him not to punish us for our sin and rebellion, but to take our punishment for us. Good Friday tells us that it was Christ who was broken. It is Christ who was punished, not for his own sins, but for your sins and for my sins. But the message of Easter is that Jesus wasn't to remain broken. He wasn't to remain accursed. In fact, God had a very different plan for Jesus because on Easter morning, Jesus rose from the dead. In this act, Jesus broke the power of sin and the power of death that had held us captive. He defeated them through his resurrection and he prepared the way for those who believe, to follow him. Not only that, but Scripture tells us in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, that God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's easy to think of God as seeking our obedience to satisfy his own desire for power so that he can completely dominate the universe and bend it to his will. The amazing thing about John 3.16 is that it, it shows us that God is not acting for his own sake, but for ours, not to satisfy his desire for power, not to bring the universe to heal at his side, but to satisfy his love. You see, though God is the creator of the universe and is rightly due our homage, our worship, he's not like some monarch or dictator who um, treats each of his subjects as uh, something to be reduced to abject obedience. Though, you know, he has every right to do so because he's created us. Instead, the New Testament introduces us to a Father God who cannot be happy until his wandering children have come home. Yet God does not force us into submission. He doesn't force us to believe or to accept his offer. Instead, he yearns over us and woos us into a love relationship with him. 
The drama of Easter tells us that we have the power to choose our response. We can choose to believe and accept his love and his gracious offer, or we can choose to ignore him and to deny him. John 3.16 also tells us of the breadth of the love of God. It was the world that God so loved, not a nation, not a good people, not only those who love him back. It was the entire world of people that God so loved. The unlovable and the unlovely, the lonely who have no one else to love them, the man who loves God and the man who never thinks of him, the woman who rests in the love of God and the woman who spurns it, all are included in this vast, inclusive love of God. As St. Augustine, no relation, put it, God loves each one of us as if there were only one of us to love. I know that that can be tough to accept and to understand. But remember, Jesus prayed for those who were abusing him, who were crucifying him. So he and the Father love you and me and every person who has ever lived and will ever live. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But God not only sent Jesus, he gave him. I mean, you can loan someone your car, right? Or you can loan them a hundred bucks. And that's that's a nice thing to do for a friend, to loan them something. And that includes some level of risk, some level of sacrifice on your part, but it doesn't compare to giving, to giving someone your car, to giving someone a hundred dollars. That's on a whole other level, isn't it? You see, God gave Jesus. He gave him over to be scorned, abused, beaten, and killed. Good Friday was the culmination of that giving. But he went even further. Think about it. When Jesus rose from the dead, with what did he arise? Was it in spirit, in, a, in the formless majesty of the Father? No. He rose with a physical body. The same body that he was buried with. A body that could eat and drink. A body that could be held and touched. Yes, it was a glorified body, but it was a body nonetheless. You see, when God gave Jesus to the world, it was a commitment for eternity. He became one of us. And he is still one of us today. In other words, Jesus is still fully human and fully divine. One day, when we stand in heaven before Jesus, we'll be standing before a physical man who is also God. And here's the focal point of Easter. God gave Jesus as a love gift so we wouldn't have to perish. Ever since Adam's sin, we have been condemned to perish because of his sin and because of ours. 
But God's love would not allow us to be doomed to eternal separation from Him. So He made a way. He made a way. He made a way for us to be forgiven and to be reconciled with Him. And Easter is God's answer. It is the unfolding of God's plan to bring bring us back to Himself. I don't know this morning if each of you have availed yourself of the forgiveness that is available in Jesus Christ. It really is your choice. It really is because the one thing that God has not done is to take away our freedom to choose. Each of us is free to accept or reject His love. Each of us is free to accept or to reject His offer of forgiveness. The promise in John 3.16 is very specific and very conditional. It is to everyone who believes. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And a part of that believing is that Not only do we believe that Jesus lived, but that he died and that he rose from the grave. I think 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5, sums it up nicely when it says, Thank God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that in his great mercy we men have been born again in a life full of hope through Christ's rising again from the dead. You can now hope for a perfect inheritance beyond the reach of change and decay, reserved in heaven for you. And in the meantime, you are guarded by the power of God operating through your faith till you fully enter into the salvation which is all ready for the completion of the last day. On this Easter 2009, I invite you who have never believed to consider all that God has done on your behalf. If you've never really considered the impact of Easter, I encourage you to do so this morning. If you're uncertain about it, I encourage you to to get a Bible and to read the, the Gospel of John or one of the other Gospels. And if you don't have a Bible, I'll I'll make sure you have one. It's one thing to accept the fact that God loves the world. But it's another to experience His love personally. And that's what Easter is about, experiencing the love and the forgiveness of God personally. And if you have already believed, then I invite you to be amazed once again at the wonder of God, the wonder of his love, and to share that message with the people that he puts into your life, because there are people who need to hear about the wonderful message of Easter, the wonderful love of a Savior who came and who died that we might have life. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, we thank you for Easter. 
because, Lord, uh, Good Friday would, um, would have left us in a terrible situation. Our sins paid for, but no hope of eternal life. But God, I thank you that all along from the, the dawn of creation, you intended that Jesus would die and would rise again and would break the chains of sin and death. And God, I thank you in your wisdom as well that you offer that to us as a free gift, something we have to choose, something we have to believe in. God, I pray today that each of us in this sanctuary has made a choice, whether that's to accept it and believe it or to reject it and to hope that somehow in our own ability, maybe we can please you. But God, I know that's not going to work. I know I could never please you um, with my own righteousness. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit this morning would speak to each of our hearts. And Lord, that you would uh, just indicate to us what we need to do. Whether it's to praise you for the wonderful salvation we've already attained and that we um, long for the day that we stand before you. Or Lord, whether our situation is that we, we need to make that commitment. God, press that issue in our own hearts this morning through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just want to give you praise and and say thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Bless us as we move towards the concluding moments of this meeting. And God, might your will be done in our lives, we pray, in Jesus' name and by his blood. Amen. We are going to sing a song of response. It's not an invitation song in the sense that it's a slow and somber song. It's a song of praise because we have reason to give glory to God because of what he's done. I'm going to invite you to stand and we're just going to, uh, we're going to sing the first and second verses. We'll take a break on the third and then we'll join together on the fourth. Glory to his name. third verse says, O precious fountain that saves from sin, I am so glad I have entered in. Are you glad? There Jesus saves me and keeps me clean. Glory to his name. Let's sing the fourth verse together. Oh, 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, there you have it. Resurrection. It's the other side of the cross, really. The most astounding event in the history of, well, the universe. Changed everything forever. It became the crossroads of life and, and death for everyone in our place of eternal decision. Won't you pray with me today? Lord, it's because you rose from the dead and because you live now that we can know the promise of redemption and eternal life and its truth. You're the Son of God and you are the Messiah. You're the Redeemer, the King, and our Lord forever. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify us through and through. And may our whole spirits and souls and all of our bodies be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Kersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening. Thank you.